Marketing Made Easy, the podcast on this episode. I'd love to do a TEDx talk. They're doing virtual TEDx mm. talks. So you can, you can apply to one in the US right now and you're going to do it via a video. So to me, it's it's easier than ever right now to everyone on the same footing that everyone's stuck at home and on Zoom. So why not capitalize on that? Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Marketing Made Easy from the Get Savvy Club. I'm Anna Geary and I'm here with my lovely host S with the host S, Anita Baldwin. Morning, you all right? <laughs> Yes, good, thank you. That's the worst introduction I've ever had in my life. No, it's the best. <laughs> really excited today to have Heather Monaghan with us. She is the podcast host of Creating Confidence. And she joined us, actually, she joined us um, at the same time as taking her son to the dentist. So it was a bit of a strange one. Normally we get to see people's faces, but it was more of an actual audio one from our, our point of view. But she was super helpful, not only from the point of view of confidence so how are you going to get more confident in your life and business in general but her story the fact that she'd worked so hard in corporate america for 20 years uh, feeling that she's going to get like the the top seat very very soon for somebody to come in and uh, basically just fire her and obviously in america they can just do that just get rid of you you're fired you're fired (laughs) yeah so that was that and it was just basically well we don't know the ins and outs of exactly why but you know, it was a lady that did it. She took over and got rid of her. She was a bit cagey about that bit, I thought. Yeah, well, there's probably, you know... Legal repercussions, yeah. You, can't, you don't want to say too much. There's two different sides of the story. But anyway, she was on her ass after 20 years of grafting for, you know, in corporate America. And then she reinvented herself. And it's it's fantastic. She's written one book. She's got another book coming out soon. Her podcast is fantastic. Um, and she also gave us some super tips uh, for us personally as well for when we get out there and do some actual real life speaking gigs soon. Um, so let's get into it. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Today we have with us the lovely Heather Manahan. How are you today, Heather? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Are you struggling with her surname, Anna? I can tell because you mumbled it. <laughs> Heather, I'll tell you why. I always like, uh, I'm, I'm, you know what? Actually, I'm a lot better than I thought I was at pronouncing people's names since being on Clubhouse and seeing how bad a lot of the other people are at doing it. I'm like, actually, do you know what? I, I'm quite good at it. I don't like to get people's names wrong. And, uh, you know, I was, um, have, have, I, have I pronounced it correctly, Heather? You tell us. You, yeah, it worked for me. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know as well I must have heard it loads of times because I've been listening to your podcast I listen to uh, I watch your TEDx <laughs> obviously it's written a lot but it's not actually said a lot is it so um do you want to explain a little bit about yourself Heather your your background and the business and um, the kind of value that you add to the world I guess sure so my background's in corporate America I was in sales and sales leadership for most of my career for over 20 years I was a chief revenue officer in media and Three weeks after being named one of the most influential women in radio, I was fired when the CEO that I had worked for for 14 years fell ill. He elevated his daughter to replace him, and she fired me immediately. So I took that opportunity. Yeah, that was surprising. And I took that opportunity to write and self-publish my first book, Confidence Creator, which trumped Trump for number one on the business biography list on Amazon the first week it came out. Then I Googled, how do you sell books? And it said, speak. And so I had spoken for 20 something years in corporate America, but I hadn't been paid for it because in the business I was in, they didn't pay speakers. And so I started 
just cold calling companies and pitching myself to speak in return for them to buy my book. And then I stumbled upon an opportunity where they wanted to know my speaker fee. So I researched the speaking business and then I launched my speaking career. I delivered my first TEDx talk in November, 2019. And that was promoted to TED and translated into six languages. And then I was named top 25 US female keynote speaker in 2020. And then I signed with HarperCollins Leadership to launch my second book, Leapfrogging Villains, which is coming out in November of this year. And, and during that same time, I launched my podcast, Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan. I absolutely love that title of that book, Leapfrogging, Leapfrogging Villains. We've all had them, haven't we? Especially like our backgrounds are corporate as well, um, before having our own businesses. And I think when you when you're in corporate you kind of just there's a, a lot of um rules that you kind of just go along with because you don't know any different if you're you know you just want to get ahead and get by in life and it's yeah the office politics is is crazy so that give you gave you a favor then really didn't it they're, they're getting fired straight away it wasn't easy you know that was a really tumultuous time for me i'm a single mom and and um you know it was really scary so that the did anything ever happen following that or you just kind of went okay fair enough and moved on what do you mean did anything happen well, well you... i think what anita means is in the uk if you have a job in the uk you're protected more in in america if they just want to fire you they fire you don't they they don't really oh yeah there there don't have to be there's zero grounds or anything that you can fire anyone basically it's an, an at will you know situation so they can fire you whenever mm. they want gosh and she just took a dislike to you or wanted her own people in or why did she that just seems a really bizarre thing to do i mean i'm sure you know different people have their um perspective on it but for me she was very much threatened by me you know mm. I was definitely when you are threat you'll always be the target and I definitely in my mind thought the next CEO of the company would be me obviously I've been running operations there for more than a decade had more than doubled the company's revenues it was pretty apparent to me but I guess in her mind you know she's instead of seeing me as an ally she saw me as a threat and she wanted the threat gone immediately what a shame because the business and then her role in it would have been so much more successful had she brought you on board, you know, as a collaborator and an ally rather than just seeing you as competition. Well, it ended up being a real gift for me. That industry has been in decline for over a decade. So I had never thought to leave the industry and this gave me that opportunity. <laughs> and, you know, for anyone that's in an industry right now in decline, pick your head up, go find an industry that's growing because there's so many out there and your life just becomes so much easier yeah there's so Great much advice. opportunity out there isn't there at the moment absolutely so much so much opportunity for so many different things and I, I just think you feel I mean Anita's background is marketing in corporate and for me I was in recruitment for 17 years and I did really feel like oh that's that's it for me I, I'm a recruitment consultant that's what I do I'm a director of a recruitment business it, it almost didn't occur to me that perhaps you could just change that easily and when I did and tried different things out it was it was a revelation and I learned all these different new things that were going that were on a, around me that I didn't know were and you know until I'd made that decision to look up and look around me and see what was happening so it's always worth um, looking around and seeing if you can do something a little bit different so um what made you start the podcast then I had been out speaking and I was really promoting my book. And when that was happening, a couple of people started asking me to guest on different podcasts. And so I would do it. And then those podcast episodes started doing very well. So, you know, I, I was noticing the data and I could see that 
it, you know, the messaging was resonating with people. And so I thought in the back of my mind, I'd love to do a show, but I just didn't have the bandwidth or expertise. I didn't want to spend money on one more thing. And so I just kept putting it off. And then I got asked to be a guest on the Lady Gang show out in LA. And I flew out there to do the show. And that show went to top five on, that episode went to top five on Apple Podcasts list. And I, when I saw, I woke up the next morning and saw it. And I thought, oh, this is too big. And so I sent an email to the CEO of their company. And I just said, listen, I'd love to come in and thank you. And I took a screenshot of the placement on that episode. And I sent it to him. And I said, I don't know if you saw this, but our episode did amazing. I'd really like to come in and thank you for giving me this chance. So he said, sure, stop by. And I went in. My goal was to get a show. I, you know, I, I wasn't just going to say thank you. And I went in there and told him, you know, thanks so much for the opportunity. Obviously, this... Um, messaging really landed with a massive audience because we did so well on the rankings. And he said, you know what, maybe you should have your own show. And I said, hmm. yeah, I think I should. And, Great idea. And, <laughs> yeah, I ended up, um, I signed with Podcast One and, and launched my show with them. Just going back to when you started, um, you know, in like your book, Confidence Creator, why did you choose confidence as a topic um, to help other people on? I really didn't choose it when I first started writing. I just knew I, you know, I've been in sales my whole life. And so that's something I feel really confident in. And so I thought, okay, I need a product to sell. What can I sell? Mm -hmm. What problem can I solve? And that's just, you know, I just kept asking myself that question over and over again. And what can I create fast? Because speed to market is critical and I wanted to you know, develop revenue. And so I just thought, okay, I'll start writing a book. And when I started writing, I was just writing about how much I hated, you know, nasty, insecure women in the workplace and writing about that woman and, and what had happened. And then within a week, I started realizing I had many other low moments in my life, not just isolated with that woman, whether it be when I was sexually harassed at work or when I got divorced or when the recession hit in 0809. You know, there had been plenty of times in my life where I had dealt with very low moments and I had found ways to leverage the low moments to advance me and to create confidence within me. And once I realized that that was the blueprint I was laying out, it was it was easy to to know, you know, OK, this is a problem I can solve because I solved it for myself. And now I just need to share this blueprint so that I have a product to market. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's it's often something you can do to help other people. And it's not necessarily the thing you've done for 20 years or the thing you've qualified in or trained to do. It's that thing you've picked up along the way that other people are still probably going to be struggling with and are at the start of their journey. And you can use that to help them. It's crazy. I, you know, I spent 20, almost 25 years establishing myself as an expert in sales and sales leadership. And literally overnight, no one mentions that anymore. When people talk to me, they call me a confidence expert, which I'm not. I only wrote a book on that, you know, nearly three years ago. So to truly be an expert in something, you need to have a substantial amount of hours and experience behind it. So it just, it makes me laugh when people say that. I say, if you want to call me that, that's fine. But, you know, I can stand on my sales and sales leadership experience for sure. And I guess, you know, confidence is a byproduct of that. But the thing is, you are an expert because all, the total sum of all the all that you've been through in your entire life comes together, doesn't it? And that's where the, the book came from. I and mean, if you've helped lots, it's... It, I think you can make impact a lot quicker now. It did used to be that you needed to do 10,000 hours of a certain thing or be in an industry for an amount of time, whereas now it's more about the experience that you get and the impact that you can have on other people um, sets you apart as to whether other people would think you're an expert in something or not. So what, what would you say are your kind of top tips for having confidence? 
I know that's a massive topic, but yeah, you know, everyone's really different. So there is no one magic pill. That's the first thing I, I share with anyone because I've had so many conversations with thousands of people over the past couple of years around this topic. It becomes very clear. One of my top directives for anyone is fire the villains in your life. For me, that was critical. I was surrounded with a negative person that wanted to hold me back day in and day out. And I didn't recognize the impact that was having on my confidence when I was in that moment. I thought if I focus on my area of expertise and my responsibility, I can ignore her. That was not the case. And so when that woman thought she fired me that day, I had actually just fired my villain. And immediately, amazing opportunities started showing up for me that weren't previously. So I like to share with people, identify if you have a negative person in your life. Identify if you have a villain. Someone's putting you down, trying to hold you back or sabotage you and fire that villain. But what you'll find is there's a lot of people like me that have a villain, but there might be a lot of people that don't recognize that they are actually their own villain. They're the ones talking negatively to themselves. They're you know putting themselves down. They don't have people around them doing it. It's them doing it to themselves. And for those people, I like to leverage what I learned in, in advertising and media and all the white papers on how to, you know, create successful brands and use that same strategy, you know, create a marketing strategy for yourself, to yourself, about yourself and rewrite that narrative and do it with frequency and add a jingle and add a visual you know, image. My whole TEDx talk is about this strategy, which is really rewriting that inner dialogue. I once heard ages ago, um, and it said that the negative voice inside you that says, oh, you can't do that, and you probably won't be very good enough. The thing to do is to just give them a name um, and something that you is just either a ridiculous name that you wouldn't take any notice of or something like that. So I call mine my ex-husband's name because I never take any notice of anything he says and he never wants nice stuff from me. So that's what I do to get rid of that. Yeah, and we do we teach our, we teach on our program actually because um although we ultimately help people with their social media and the when Anita and I first started working together, it was just literally gonna be like a a blueprint to help people set up their social media the right way and help them attract clients and things. And very, very quickly, we had a six-week course to start, and now it's a 90-day course. And the reason it has to be longer is because there's more around that mindset and that confidence. And, you know, actually, we we re- recognize that so many more people, people, women in particular, were in fear of being judged um, if they go out on social media, often by people that aren't their ideal client either. So maybe like a sister-in-law or an auntie of theirs, or even one lady had her child, um, you know, a daughter was like, why you keep doing these things? So actually, um, we've had to put a lot into it that's more about helping them with their mindset as well and, and you know, being able to show up and such like. Yeah, that's a, a very common problem. And my response to that is never take direction from someone who hasn't been where you're going. And if you're launching your own company and you've got visions of massive success, why would you listen to a 16 year old in regards to (laughs) what your next action step should take, right? So if you want to take advice from people, ensure yourself and qualify them first, does this person have a multi-million dollar successful business that they started on their own? If the answer is no, then keep it moving. Yeah, great advice. Do you also coach individuals? You know, I never had done that before. I was so busy with my speaking business that that was, you know, my speaking business and my podcast and my books were really, you know, my primary drivers. But when the pandemic hit and I was landlocked, I started consulting and coaching just because I couldn't travel anymore. And I had so 
much more time. And it's been, it's a very interesting, there's pros and cons to it. It's challenging because you can't serve as many people. I used to be able to stand on a stage and serve 10,000 people in an hour. And now you're serving only one person an hour. So that's a, it's a massive, it's frustrating in that you can't help as many people anymore. But what is nice is, you know, over a three month period, you can see their life change profoundly. So you can somewhat close the loop on their success. So I, I feel like there's, um, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. However, it's unfortunate you can't help as many people as you used to. Yeah, I understand that. What What would your tips be to people that do want to get out and be speaking more? Obviously they can't at the moment because of lockdown, especially here in the UK, we're completely locked down at the moment. But uh, me and Anita were at the point um, just before lockdown, about this time last year, where we were just starting to get speaking gigs. We were just, um, you know, not anything big, but you know, on the odd, um, there was a few events in London and bits and bobs, but obviously we've just spent a year in lockdown. But to really take that to the next level and become um, a speaker, what would your top tips be on that in terms of getting in, in front of the right people and getting those gigs where you get where you get paid as well like you said there well you know right now is actually a great time because everyone's requesting every speaker bureau is requesting a virtual it, it used to be that they wanted your reel to be an on-site reel which is much harder to develop because you have to be on some big stages to have it look good but now everyone wants a virtual reel so i had reel of me being you know on site in massive locations and now they're requesting hey do you have an updated virtual reel so what first thing i would say to people is videotape yourself on zoom giving a variety of different talks and showcase those really powerful moments you want to condense down into you know what is the problem that you're solving for the audience who is the audience that you serve you know, create some type of a one sheet and or larger presentation deck that involves testimonials. You know, what do people say? You know, who can you quote? Who can you get to give you some reviews of your speaking? How did it impact them? And so you really want to showcase the problem that you solve. You want to let them know what the audience will be left with when you're done. And you want those testimonials for credibility for you. And then you want to market yourself. You want to get out and get on the speaker sites. You want to pitch yourself to every speaker bureau. You know, you ultimately want to get picked up by agents so that they're out pitching you on their behalf and that they're trying to move your business forward. And then I would apply for TEDx talk. I'd love to do a TEDx talk. Yeah. Well, you should be applying right now. I just landed one for June. They're doing virtual TEDx mm. talks. So you could, you can apply to one in the U S right now and they're, they're doing, you know, you just, you're going to do it via a video. So it, it's to me, it's it's easier than ever right now to everyone on the same footing that everyone's stuck at home and on Zoom. So why not capitalize on that? So you obviously um, talk about how to create confidence and all of that. And so you'd assume that somebody like you is confident in every situation. But were you daunted or are you daunted when you go on or when you could go onto a stage with, like you say, 10,000 people or whatever? How do you handle that? The, the hardest time I ever had with my confidence in regards to speaking was my TEDx talk. And that was because when you give a TEDx talk on site, it, it, there's a lot of requirements. You can't leave you know, a very finite circle. You're given the amount of time that's allocated to you. Typically when you do a keynote, you get 60 minutes, 90 minutes or 45 minutes, but I got 10 minutes, right? And so the smaller and tighter a talk has to be, the better and more concise it has to be. And I, for me, this was way out of my familiar zone. I'm definitely better on my own, like give me the time and I'll deliver and I'll figure it out. But but to tighten me to that regard almost felt like memorizing. And they have a big clock counting down, don't they? That you kind of 
conscious of all the time. Yeah, you can't, you know, you're not allowed to go beyond your allocated time. So it, it, for me, that was a really, that was the most stressful. That wasn't the largest audience, but it was the most stressful talk that I had because it was the most out of my familiar zone. So that's an opportunity to grow. And so that was how I decided, you know, to see it was an opportunity for me to step into something that I did not feel excited about or familiar with and take it on. And, um, you know, it's a growth opportunity and definitely one that I encourage other people to go for. So that's a great mindset. There's a great mindset. So it's a growth opportunity and allows me to step outside my comfort zone and to develop rather than just go, oh, I'm too scared. I can't do it. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you get the opportunity. Well, I, I essentially said that to myself. I said, listen, I'm either not going to go out there and do it or I'm going to go out there and just do the best I can. Which one will I be most proud of? Well, cl- for me, it was clear. I'd rather just go, go for it than never do the talk. Yeah, we've done that a few times. I'm looking forward to those kinds of um, opportunities again when the world opens back up. So, you know, like taking things that are you know you're unsure of what you're doing but you just I do that all the time I go yeah sure and then then I go what are we doing what have I said yes to what what do they need us to do but I think it will help with confidence that I'm just so bloody grateful to be out the house I'm so glad to be in front of a load of people that I don't care however many people are just sitting there looking at me that's fine you'll just think of your office space won't you Anita and think at least I'm not in that office space day after day but we're in prison here in the UK (laughs) what is it like you're in Miami aren't you Heather yeah, but, you know, I have a, a son, and so his school's been put back to Zoom school again, which, you know, Zoom school can be really hard on kids sitting, yeah. in, you know, in a room on a computer for eight hours a day. It's just, it, this is obviously, I, you know, I don't know anyone that's living their best life right now, but um, definitely trying to just, you know, make the best of, of being at home and, and taking advantage of, you know, the time that we have. I have a 14-year-old daughter and an eight-year-old son, and the 14-year-old gets to go on the zoom call well basically google meets i think it is all day and but yeah this my younger one i have to homeschool him obviously because he's a bit younger and anita's got well you've got five in total i've got two yeah that i am homeschooling and they don't have any live classes and then three stepchildren but i don't have to homeschool them <laughs> thank god you don't have to do that bit, <laughs> which is good um yeah it's just a different time you have to appreciate the the good bits of this time because we will miss certain bits of this time i'm sure in the future um when when it's all passed um so what what's next for you then heather um what you've got the new book that's going to be coming out and the podcast obviously right now what uh what are the big plans have you got in the future are you going to um just get back to speaking or is there a, a bigger mission for you yeah no i'm doing a lot of speaking actually now i'm do, i have um i'm headlining a keynote for international women's day for molson cores which will be a huge speaking opportunity i have my first on-site speaking opportunity at the end of march for the entre- uh, entrepreneurial organization, which I'm super excited for. I'm also, I was appointed to the board of directors of a company called HealthLinked, and we have our first on-site board of directors meeting at the end of March, so I'm really excited for that. And the big thing for me this year is launching this book with HarperCollins Leadership is, um, it's really exciting. Did they approach you then, HarperCollins, or did you not have the last book with HarperCollins then? No, I self-published my first book. Okay. Um, so that was all done by me, and then, I pitched um, an, an agent that I wanted to represent me countless times. I think it was 14 times before she finally said yes. And then we shot that book proposal to 15 different publishing houses. And we ended up deciding to go with HarperCollins. Brilliant. That's a great lesson. Yeah, don't take no for an answer. Just keep going. Well, you know, that's luckily my entire career is in sales. And that really is my expertise. So that part doesn't intimidate me at all. I know it's just a numbers game. Yeah, definitely. 
keep asking. But it just seem like it seems like that whole publishing world um, is like that. Like you, you have to really shout to get noticed. It's quite a crowded environment. Everybody's got a book in them, they say, and everybody's pitching their own book, aren't they? Particularly these days with self-publishing and everything. It, it's very similar to the speaking business. I find those two very, very similar. But once you get momentum, I, I assume it, it's slightly easier to get those gigs. I don't know, because I had a lot of momentum um, going into the pandemic and it really stopped overnight. I had so many speaking engagements that just canceled immediately and they, they were already on my calendar signed contracts mm. so that was really just a reinvention moment where i didn't know what speaking would look like and i i didn't have a speaking engagement those so you know i had been booked and then you know not for a few months did i get a speaking engagement so that was when i decided to launch the consulting um portion of my business which i had never thought of doing before so it's just you know, it just reminds you, don't ever lean entirely on one revenue stream. Always diversify your offerings. Yeah. So are you obviously, are you still doing speaking gigs, but virtually at the moment? All the speaking engagements I've done in the last year, every single one has been virtual until the end of March. That's my first on-site event that I have. Oh, and I mean, it's obviously very different sitting and listening to a virtual event. So do you, have you had to change how you deliver what you deliver over, a, you know, Zoom or whatever? Yeah, so I I definitely do um, an onboarding call with every one of my clients, you know, prior to crafting the talk that I'm going to give for their team. And the single most consistent thing I hear is that people are sick of sitting there watching and being spoken to. So what yeah. we've done is shorten. It used to be a 60-minute keynote, you know, or a 45-minute keynote and 15-minute live Q&A. Most of the speaking opportunities I've had in the last year have been 20 to 30 minutes of me speaking and 30 minutes of live Q&A. So they found that the audience much more favors them being, having the chance to raise their hand and, you know, start talking and start asking questions versus just sitting and listening. I can see that. It is... Um... I think we're all getting a bit of Zoom fatigue, aren't we? I mean, we don't do masses on Zoom, really. We do do our tra live training on Zoom, and we we were all online before all of this, anyway. Uh, but yeah, we don't. I can imagine when when we get asked to go to virtual events that are like all day. I think oh, I don't want to sit there all day on a virtual event. So it would be quite nice to have people come and um, share their expertise in like thirty minutes, and then you get to chat to them and ask them questions. So it's, uh, I guess everyone's just finding their feet. So you know your engagements that you've that you've got that you were booked for. Have they just been cancelled or have they literally, are they just sitting there waiting for the world to get back um, open and they are intending to happen, but at a later date? It's been a mixture. A lot of them cancelled all together. And then some of them came back and ended up, you know, offering the virtual um, event instead. But now, right now, for me, speaking has gotten much busier just in the last month. I'm seeing that a lot of people that were waiting are just pulling the trigger and doing it virtual because they don't want to wait any longer. Yeah, there's been we're um, up for a couple of awards and they were supposed to have big ceremonies and now they're like, no, we're just going to do it virtually. And we actually went for those awards because we thought <laughs> that they would be things will be getting back to normal and we could actually go along to them rather than virtually. But obviously, we've got to go to them virtually. And they're insisting that you get dressed up, which is not filling me with joy. I'll be honest. Just to sit in this room again, but instead of not even wearing my jogging buttons this time. Yeah, they're, <laughs> no. they're trying. They're doing the best that they can. Yeah, I get, yeah, I'll probably enjoy it at the time. One of the questions we always ask everybody, all of our guests, is if you could recommend um, a book for our readers. So that can be a business book or a development or self-help or something like that. 
Well, I mean, of course, I would always recommend my own book, Confidence Creator, for anyone that's looking to establish confidence in their life. That is the go-to blueprint for sure. But I'll, I'd also say that, um, I mean, there's so many great books out there. I, I recently had Seth Godin on my podcast. He's got it. A- did you? Fantastic. I did a postgraduate time in strategic marketing in the 90s. That's how long I've been doing it. And uh, I used to read about the theories of Seth Godin. And I thought he was dead because he, I thought he was one of those, you know, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all of that, you know, the great people that did marketing years ago. And I was actually really surprised about 15 years later when I saw him talk. I was like, oh, he's not dead. So, yeah, I hope we never get to me and I have to tell him that story. Yeah, we will. We, yeah, I think we should have him on, on the podcast. He is awesome, though, isn't he? Hmm. Oh, what a talented, wonderful, wonderful man. Yeah, I love all of his, all the books he's written and just, you know, all his content. He's fantastic. Which one's your favorite book? Which one would you recommend? You, yeah. His new book about creativity is really good. It walks you through all of the steps that anyone should take in order to foster creativity. He doesn't believe that some people are creatives and some people are not. He believes it's a discipline and he really, you know, anyone that struggled with, you know, tapping into creativity or how to find a creative side should definitely get that book. So we, um, we will give this away to somebody who listens to the podcast and takes a screenshot and tags us on social media so someone can win this book. But I might have a read of it myself too. Yeah, I'm not, I haven't read his new book yet, so no. I have to get that on Audible. If it's on, I'm sure it'll be on Audible. If it's I'm betting he was a great podcast guest then. Oh, yeah. He's just he's such a warm, wonderful human being. And he just happens to be incredibly talented. Mm, Yeah, definitely a natural thinker. Another question that we always ask on this podcast, because we're the Get Savvy Club, we always ask what you think makes you savvy. And you can take that any way you want. What makes me savvy? Um, I guess at this, you know, I'm 46 years old now, so I have a tremendous amount of life experience. I was just added to faculty at Harvard and teaching my first class there this semester on professional selling and sales leadership. And the biggest thing that that situation taught me since that's a school I couldn't have gotten into as a student, so it blows my mind that I teach there now, (laughs) is that life experience is so incredibly valuable. I, I teach these students who are brilliant. You know, they have perfect SAT scores, perfect. They're the word choices they have are far beyond words that I would ever try to even use. But what I I recognize is their knowledge is completely based from textbook and my knowledge is completely based from experience. And we were running through some exercises, very much textbook exercises the other day. And I said, pump the brake guys, this isn't real. I said, no conversation would ever go like this. I said, let me tell you how a conversation like this would really go. And so I I was role playing with them. And one of the students raised his hand and he, he said, um, your answers are better than the book. And I said, yes, my answers are better than the book because this is called real life. And it was that epiphany moment for me that my savviness really comes from my real life experiences. Definitely. And don't write yourself off just because you you know, couldn't get into Harvard as a student. You know, you go around the other way and get in and actually are more influential in the end. Yeah, when, when you can't get in, why not teach? We should try that, Anita. <laughs> we do teach. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, like at a proper university. Yeah. Oh, that's what, yeah, I suppose we do teach. I always forget that. It doesn't feel like teaching. It's fun. No, I, don't, no. I don't call it te- we don't call it teaching, do we? I suppose, but I guess it is, um, and it is from life experience and actually doing stuff that we that we are teaching people as well. Actually, so Heather, when is your new book, Leapfrogging Villains? When's that out? November. I'll look out for that then. 
what we'll do is we will grab your podcast link as well um because it's really relevant to um our listeners obviously the subject of confidence so we'll grab that link and we'll put that in our show notes for you as well so everyone can find you there follow you listen to your podcast and then obviously not forget when the book comes out in november you went from corporate america um and obviously a sales background so some of this stuff you know already but what tips would you give to somebody who's coming from working in like the corporate environment nine you know nine till five or probably more likely seven till nine um and now they want to have their own business similar to what you're doing or maybe you know in the coaching space or speaking or writing books and, and leaving corporate america what advice would you give to those people i would say start building it today don't wait another day do it at night and on the weekend and just test you know, make sure you need to ensure that you have a product or an offering solving a problem that people will pay for. So start testing it and you can evolve that product and you can change it until you have something that's viable. But definitely do that before you quit your day job. You want to know that you have a viable product or service that's ready to go to market and then start testing how you're going to market it, who that potential avatar is, who that potential client base is, and start testing it and then start getting testimonials and reviews of your work and then leverage that to speak for your business and always offer 100% money back guarantee when you launch a new business. It just shows the confidence and belief that you have in your product and you will have no barrier entry. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Fabulous. Thank you, Heather. That was really good, really interesting. I'm fascinated by the way that um, confidence can kind of get you anywhere or stop you doing things. You know, the whole imposter syndrome and... um, it's just all about perception, how we perceive something. And so accepting failures, not letting them get you down, carrying on, saying, yes, I can do this. Um, you know, it can make such a massive difference to your life. And I think it's a real shame, isn't it, that confidence gets better with age. And, that you know, I'm far more confident now um, than I was 20, 25 years ago, which is just, you know, God, if I think if I'd have had the confidence I've got now in my 20s, I'd be flying by now. You- like diff- different waves of confidence at different times in my life, really, because I was really cocky and quite overconfident, probably. But you're a confident person, I think, Anna, but you say that when you were growing up, you weren't massively confident. So what made the difference to you? And actually, there's a difference between cocky and confidence, isn't there? I had um, like a double life, really, when I was growing up. <laughs> so like I had like in the where I grew up, the, my mates who lived in the street with me that we used to play rounders with and go skating with. And what I was like the leader of the pack and the loudest and confident, blah, 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 blah. But at school, because it's quite a rough school and like I was so shy. <laughs> So I, wouldn't, so I had like this weird double life, really. Often it's that you can be confident in a situation where you feel happy and put yourself in another situation and you just like flounder. But the ability to be confident in that strange situation is the thing that can get you anywhere. It, I used to think if I just keep this confidence that I've got like out in the streets for when I'm like an adult, that'll be fine. But I, but honestly, but it was a mixture of it being quite a rough school. Plus I wasn't the brightest, but I wasn't, I was miss average or like under the radar so much at school. I used to look out the window a lot, not do much homework. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, I'd think things and know the answers to things and not say them. Like really weird, like an, and you just you almost didn't want to put your head above the parapet in that particular yeah, school or yeah. in that no one wants the whole class to turn around and look at you because there's a chance you might be wrong and I was kind um, of like uh, I always say this like I was kind of feral as, well as a kid so like I was the kid like you know just scruffy like um because we we were just left to do our own things but in in the street when we could all play games or I always had the ideas and the like all of that yeah. so that's why people enjoyed hanging around with me and I was more of a leader in in 
in that zone. Because you had to make your own fun then, because you couldn't sit on a device all day. No, but when you're actually at school and you're told to sit in this class and listen to this boring thing about this thing, and my handwriting was terrible as well, so I just, just thought, not for me. I just used to waiting for time to kind of just pass and, you know, not um, get noticed too much, though. Yeah. See, my takeaway tip from this whole podcast, and Heather was great, is that if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I can't do that and that's not for me, recognise that it's probably a confidence issue and do whatever it takes to go and fill that gap. Read Heather's book, read, there's loads of great books out there, aren't there? Um, and just kind of recognise that you could be, you are as good as anybody else as the next person. Yeah, when I was a teenager, time. I read Feel the Fear and... Uh, yeah, that's a great book. Feel the Fear and Do, do it, it anyway. anyway. And Susan Jefferson, or whatever her name was, Jeffers, Jefferson. I had like a dog-eared version of that, and my brother used to take the mick out of me for it. And that, but that, you know, just that book. Because now the resources are all there. You've got free podcasts, you've got, you know, audio, but loads and loads, and loads of free resources, YouTube videos that you can get your hands on to find your tribe and to grow your confidence. Back, obviously, when we were younger, you did, you know... you somebody passing your book and then <laughs> expecting you to read it was probably the only way that you could try and find that things were different. And what I think is really good now is that loads of people, really successful people, are happy to come out and say, I was a complete loser. I was the geek at school that no one spoke to. I tried a hundred things and they all failed. I had to sleep on somebody's mattress for five years in my 20 or whatever. And they're all happy to just tell you that and then go, but I kept plugging away and plugging away. And now look at me. You know, like when you used to have PE and you'd pick like who... Who was going to be in your team? Oh, God, that was barbaric, wasn't it? <laughs> I was always left standing there. I actually wasn't that bad at PE, but yeah, I'd still be left near the end. <laughs> I just I just don't have... I was quite popular. I just don't have any coordination, so I was always left. But I'm just going, <laughs> pretending you didn't care when it was just humiliating. I don't think they do that anymore, do they? they should it's do. quite cruel. I'd look and I'd think, well, you... I nearly said the person's name then. You want to go and pick such and such over me? <laughs> but fine well and then but you know um yeah it's just weird you know because that they with their mates or whatever but um I, i'm glad because i look back at the charter like i could have been in different gangs of people that i'm glad that i wasn't so i was glad you know when everybody smoked when we were like 14 15 16 i didn't do you know like so and i always knew i had to run my own race but very much like under the radar for a while before yeah. i got confidence yeah. about that so yeah Go and do whatever you need to build your confidence because you are good just enough. Take the smallest steps just to, to get going, I, I would say, yeah. because, and like, don't let it be that, because I used to think when I was younger, like, okay, right. And I used to think, so if I do, if I just take those steps, I will get more and more confident because I just, I'd read it. I knew that would be the case. I put myself in all yeah. situations to Not get an there. Overnight and, thing, is it? and what really helped with confidence, mine, mine and Anna's confidence is to rate and review our podcast, subscribe to it. Um, and if you want to win a copy of the book that Heather talked about, then take a screenshot of the podcast episode, put it on social media, tag me or Anna or both of us in and we'll pull one out of a hat and whoever we pull out will send a copy of the book to. Um, so, yeah, leave us a great review. That would be really kind and uh, help with our confidence. Yeah, just our confidence. <laughs> <laughs> the most dark days that we have. And uh, so we don't forget to listen out for the quickie on Thursday. Um, it's, you know, an actionable marketing tip that you can use in your business and it takes you less than 10 minutes to listen to it. So no faffing, which is what we're all about. And then have a super week. Thanks very much. Bye. Thank you. Bye. That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, join our Facebook group. Just search Get Savvy Club.